If you're looking for a new way to support SideMission, check out W.GG, an energy supplement company trying to make a difference. Make sure to use code SIDEMISSION for 15% off your order. Thank you, Dubby, for sponsoring this episode, and we hope you enjoy. Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. I, like always, am your host, Rusty Ellis, joined by the boys, Kyle Lynch and Matt Beck. And today is the big one, fellas. It is our Side Mission Top 10 Games of the Year episode, our fourth edition of this episode. It's kind of crazy, fellas, to think that we're already getting ready for year four as a podcast. It's been a lot of fun. If you'll remember... Our first game of the year ever was in 2020, the first year we were a podcast. We gave it to The Last of Us Part 2. That episode is not available on our Spotify because that episode is currently owned by a company that I will not... I'm, they're getting the Voldemort treatment. I will not name them and give them any kind of credit on here. They're awful company with awful people working there. But, I digress. 2021, our first game of the year episode on here was Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. 2022, last year, it was Elden Ring, a great battle between Elden Ring and God of War Ragnarok, I thought, for Game of the Year. This year, fellas, we've got an interesting, we got an interesting top five. I think that this list is is very interesting looking at it now on my phone. It's it's I think that objectively, thinking about all the games that we played this year, I do believe we got this year's list correct. I don't know if I could say that in years past, but I think that for all the games that we talked about and reviewed, I'm pretty happy with the 10 that we landed on. I do want to get out in front of one thing. And I think, Matt, you mentioned this to me a few days ago about you know a certain game that has gotten a lot of hype that is not going to be on our list. And I'm sure there's going to be people that ask, where in the world, where in the world is Baldur's Gate 3? And the simple truth of that is we played that game. It wasn't really for us. We didn't do a full review of it. And instead of crucifying it unfairly just because it didn't really land with us we just we just didn't really review it so that's why it's not going to be on the list ultimately but as always fellas the first place we're going to start is the games that got votes but did not make the list normally this is a very long portion of this episode this year it is not because there are only four games in this category starting with the games that got the least amount of votes in fact actually as i'm looking at this now all of these games actually got the same amount of points. I thought that there was going to be one that stood out, but I really just noticed that these all had two points. Um, Octopath Traveler 2, a game that me and Matt played, a really, really damn good JRPG. Super Mario RPG, the most recent game on this list. A really, again, a really damn good game, just didn't make the list. Mortal Kombat 1, again, kind of sensing a trend here. Really damn good game that just didn't make the list. I loved Mortal Kombat 1, especially the story. Thought it was really good, even though, Kyle, I know you said you had some complaints as far as... Or not complaints, that's a bad way of saying it. Critiques, as far as things that kind of took a step back from Mortal Kombat 11. And then finally, and this was probably the biggest surprise of the games that didn't make it onto the list, Diablo 4 did not make it onto the list. And I was kind of surprised by that because we all really enjoyed Diablo 4. I know this is a great year for gaming, so obviously just, you know, the 10 that came out that ended up placing above these just happened to be a little bit better. But Diablo 4, I was kind of surprised, didn't make the list. So those are our four honorable mentions. Again, Octopath Traveler 2, Super Mario RPG, Mortal Kombat 1, Diablo 4. Fellas, before we get into the list, I want to hear one more honorable mention from each of you. A game that maybe, just maybe, didn't make your top ten but was close. Kyle, I'll let you go first, and then Matt, I'll let you go after. So... 
my honorable mention is actually going to be a little bit weird, a little bit different this year, because it's a little bit more of a recent game that only I have been playing, but the boys have not heard me shut up about this game. Lethal Company oh. is <laughs> my honorable <laughs> mention, because this game was $10 on Steam. Entire thing is made by one guy. It's not a team of developers. This is... Uh, an indie game made by one guy. And I said at the beginning of this year that I wanted to play a lot more indie games. Uh, that was my goal for this year. And I've, I've done that a lot. I've done that so much that I ended up finding this uh, indie game, Lethal Company, that I love. I play it all the time. It's a really good horror game. You can play it with you know three other people online. The modding community is crazy about it. Uh, definitely check it out uh, if you have the chance and you have a PC. Matt, what about you? Uh, so a game that did not make my list, but just was just very close to being in there. It was actually Sea of Stars. Um, I didn't know much about this game going into it. I just knew that it was from a new developer I knew nothing about. And they created a fantastic RPG that I love the battle system. It's very similar to kind of the uh, Mario RPG where you tap a button at a certain time to reduce damage or increase damage. Uh, I like the story to it. It's 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 pretty like very easy to understand. It's not like super convoluted like a lot of RPGs tend to be. High Kingdom Hearts, <laughs> and um, one thing that has stuck with me is just the music is gorgeous. The graphics are stunning. They are like a two D sprite based like uh, very similar to older RPGs, and it's a game that like I want to get back into it and play a lot more. I probably probably put about twelve hours into it, and it was. It's a game that's going to stick with me. You know, I love the variety here because Kyle picked more of an indie game. Matt, you picked a, a JRPG. And I think the game yeah. that I'm going to go with is one that I think you both probably expected to actually make my list. Mine is actually going to be uh, Bayonetta Origins, Cereza and the Lost Demon. Because Interesting. And it, and it hurt to not put this on the list. Yeah. But when I thought about game, when I thought about my top ten, I... I, I I put a higher stock into what games could I go back right now and jump into right away and not really miss a beat. And I felt like, just full disclosure, my 10th place game was Mortal Kombat 1. That was my 10th place game. So I thought that I could jump a little bit easier back into Mortal Kombat than I could Bayonetta Origins. Bayonetta Origins, I would maybe need to look up kind of where I was at in the story and stuff like that. But in terms of an art, des of art design and, and just, you know, I think just unique gameplay because it really was unique. I don't think I've played a game like Bayonetta Origins. I really enjoyed that game. I can't wait to get back into it more, and I do plan on getting back into it more because the story is really good. The gameplay is a lot of fun. The puzzles are the highlight, and I think that, again, the art style, some of the best in gaming all year. Uh, fellas, it's time to get into the actual list. And Let's get into it. I, I'm excited because for once, and I don't think that we've done this in a single game of the year episode, I get to start with Matt on this one. Because normally I start with Kyle. I think last year I may have started on Thacker. So Matt, we get to talk about the 10th place game first. And it, it, made, the cut. Okay. it, made, it made the cut by, I believe, one point. Yeah, so actually it, we had a tiebreaker for this one. I was, I was, oh, yeah. I'm, so we had a tiebreaker. We settled it. So number 10... It was a big year for Nintendo. It starts at our 10th spot. Number 10 is Fire Emblem Engage. So, 
this was one that I had pretty high on my list. I'm not going to lie. Fire Emblem Engage landed pretty high on my list just because it was the first Fire Emblem game that I've actually finished. I thought that in terms, again, you look at art style and performance and everything on a technical level. Matt, I thought this game oh, yeah. looked really good. It ran really well. Oh, yeah. And I, I just loved the use of the emblems as well in the story. I, I thought that that was such yes. a unique gameplay element that uh, all these emblems from past games, in, including from Fire Emblem Three Houses, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance, you know, you see all of these older characters. And, and for someone who's still new to Fire Emblem like me, it still was pretty cool to kind of have this greatest hits kind of collection of all these great characters in one game. I really loved this game, Matt. Yeah, I, I did too. It is Fire Emblem to the very core and the introduction of the emblems was a fantastic way to celebrate uh, Fire Emblem's anniversary. Um, just being able to summon all of these characters that a lot of majority of them people will know because from Smash Brothers, because Fire Emblem wasn't very big in the States or outside of Japan, really. It was it was the Super Smash Brothers series that brought Fire Emblem over into um, into this country and, and everywhere else in the world. And just just being able to know all these characters and like makes me want to go back and play older Fire Emblem games. Even this is before the option to uh, opt out of permanent death. I don't think that I could do permanent death could play throughs, honestly. But yeah, this 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 game was incredible. Um, I was so proud of Rusty when he told me he beat it. It's I haven't even beat it myself, and that's saying something because I typically like to beat any of my games that are Nintendo because I am that fanboy, I guess you like to call me. The Nintendo um, show. There you go. But but yeah, I was so happy with it. Um, and I, I love the fact that Nintendo just released it out of nowhere. Like no, I would. It, it was rumored for a really long time, and there were even screenshots that got leaked. And a lot of people were making fun of the main character's hair looking like the crest logo on the toothpaste. And um, I, I, I was like, when is this game coming out? Because this leak happened months before the game's official release and, or announcement, I mean. And, um, I mean, when we got it, I was so happy with it. And I definitely, one of these days, do plan on going back to play to beat it. <laughs> Yeah, I this was one of those that when it came out, I poured hours upon hours upon hours into it. I thought that the story really got a hold of me really, really quickly. And it was what I'm glad that this game came out early in the year because we didn't have a ton out at the time, so I could put all of my effort into it. Um, we did have one other game that was out around that time that you might see here in a couple spots or t a couple spots, I think. I think you'll you'll see a familiar name that from a game that came out around that time, but Fire Emblem Engage, I will say the last thing before we move on to number nine and we talk about a game for Kyle is I felt like this game got an unfair amount of undue criticism. A lot of people said that it looked like a mobile game and played like a mobile game. And I don't know where that criticism came from. I just I've never heard somebody like actually go in depth as far as why they felt that way, because I felt like Fire Emblem Engage was a nine out of 10 game from the jump. And, and I loved every bit of it. So uh, I, I'm happy as a as a new Fire Emblem fan and as somebody who has now gone back recently and has actually been playing a little bit more of Three Houses, because, again, I got really deep into a playthrough on that. And now I've jumped back into it and I'm really enjoying Three Houses. Uh, I'm glad that Fire Emblem Engage made the list. So number nine, Matt. Matt, Jesus. Kyle, I started with Matt, now I get to go to you. And the good news for you is it's another Nintendo game. It's your favorite company, Nintendo. Oh, no. Matt's, we say that Matt's the shill, <laughs> but in reality, it's actually you that are the shill. 
Number nine is a game, and, and, and again, I think that it just goes to show when a game like this is down at number nine, this is a game that I think in a normal year, as high quality as it was, could have, could have competed potentially for game of the year. Stacked a year like this, it's down at our number nine spot, Kyle, but it's a game that I know you loved. It is Pikmin 4. Dude, Pikmin 4. That was a game I, I didn't know if I'd ever see. I am obviously a GameCube, you know, diehard fan. Anything on the GameCube was my favorite. It's one of my f favorite consoles, and Pikmin was one of the first games that I had on there. And it took them a long time to, you know, make Pikmin 3, because Pikmin 1 and 2 were GameCube, and Pikmin 3, I believe, didn't come out till the Wii U. And, yeah. you know, by then... A lot of people, you know, had kind of forgotten about this franchise. It was just this quirky little GameCube game that only had, you know, two games. And they actually ported uh, Pikmin 3 over to the Switch, which I played the hell out of. Because I didn't know that, you know, we were ever going to get the fourth one. So that was, that was like my end game until finally they gave us the probably best looking environment i've ever seen in a switch game with pikmin 4 i mean holy shit those i mean nintendo doesn't go for graphics a lot they mainly pride themselves on their gameplay of their exclusives and they knocked it out of the park like i was just so blown away with how gorgeous pikmin 4 was the the gameplay was everything i could have asked for it felt like they updated so much and took things from the sequel from pikmin 2 that for some reason were taken out of the third game and they put them in the fourth game, which I really like that they, you know, listened to fans and they went back to a formula that everybody seemed to enjoy. Looking at you, Zelda. And <laughs> I think that, honestly, if I were to rank all the Pikmin games, Pikmin 4 would now be my favorite over Pikmin 2. Uh, it was It was just that good. Man, throwing shade at Zelda there. Uh, we're just going to pretend like <laughs> Zelda isn't significantly further up the list, but I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not kidding. It is, but, <laughs> but I'm also going to clip that moment where you said Nintendo doesn't go for graphics, and I'm absolutely playing that audio back in our group chat the next time you go on a tirade about how Nintendo <laughs> games don't look good. <laughs> I'm absolutely playing that back the next time that happens. I'm just kidding. It's all good fun. So, now Pikmin 4, I think, Kyle, and I think you'd agree with this, I think the sign of a really, really good game is one that you can sink hours and hours into without really realizing it. And Pikmin 4 this year, I think it, that was one of the easiest games, I think, to just put two, three, four hours in at a time and almost not even realize it because you're just having fun, you're making progress with, you know, whatever level you're on and you know, building up your materials and all that. It just felt like it was so easy to binge. Yeah. And I like that. It helps that it's a high-quality game. It looks really damn good, like you said. And I will say, that was a constant positive for almost every Nintendo game this year. There weren't many True. Nintendo games that looked and ran poorly outside of you, Mortal Kombat 1. But that, doesn't, <laughs> that barely counts. So... I think that, it, again, for all the talk of the Switch being underpowered, and compared to the PS5 and the Series X and Series S, yes, it absolutely is. But for all that talk, I feel like Nintendo did a good job of maximizing the technology in most of their games this year. So Pikmin 4 comes in at number 9. Again, most years, I feel like that game could be significantly higher, and I could say the same about Fire Emblem Engage. 
I feel like those two being as low as they are just shows how stacked this year is. So, number eight. You heard me kind of reference there was a game that came out around the same time Fire Emblem Engage came out. And, fellas, one constant this year, and we've kind of seen this over the last couple of years, we've gotten some damn good remakes the last couple of years, if you catch my drift of what number eight might be. So, number eight is one of the best remakes that we've gotten. Is it the best remake this year? I don't know. You'll have to stick around for the rest of the list and we'll find out. But I think we can all agree that our eighth place game was a damn good game, and that is Dead Space. And again, just just I thought, as far as remakes go, Kyle, I feel like there's not many remakes that have done as good a job as this one did of bringing a game that was older, that maybe played a little bit clunkier because of the era in which it came out. And obviously Dead Space came out back in the PS3 era, back in the Xbox 360 era. It'd be very easy for a game that was released all the way back then, which makes me feel really fucking old, saying all the way back then in the PS3 era, because it really wasn't that long ago. Um, But it'd be really easy for a game that came out in that era, I think, to maybe still have that clunky feel. And I think that from everything down to the controls, the movement, uh, just performance, and again, everything on a technical scale, I feel like this Dead Space remake, Kyle, is one that should be studied for several years on how to do a remake. 100%. I am a huge horror game fan. I don't watch a lot of horror movies because I'm a pussy, but I will play any horror game. I am a huge fan of them, and Dead Space it's that's a big franchise when they said that they were remaking it i was like oh shit you know they're gonna they're gonna have to really do it faithful because this is a a franchise that if you haven't played it you at least know of it you have heard it in some way or form and now you absolutely should play it this remake changed so much from the original game while also keeping you know what keeping everything that everybody loved about it the new sound design i think is what really amplifies this remake as quality because holy shit dude especially with the pulse 3d headset i was terrified in some of these parts those jump scares were no joke and i even knew some of them were coming and it was still happening like Man, it was just so good. The combat felt so smooth. And the use of the dual sense I felt was really, really good in this game. Um from a graphical standpoint, wow, did they kill it. It was so gorgeous. And the lighting, I think, you know that is something in this game that really, really needed to be improved on this, you know, console era. Because in the older games, you know, they're kind of limited by their uh, by their tech, but man, I just cannot get over how scary that game was. I mean, it was just, it was so good. It was so good. It Like you said, remakes are, you know, when they're good, they're good. And this was one of the best this year, if if not my personal favorite from this year. Yeah, I think there's absolutely a big argument that this is this is the, this could be considered the best remake this year. I think that I've heard so many people talk about, and this was what I was excited for, Kyle. I think we spoke about this several times. Was I have heard several stories of just how terrifying Dead Space was, especially way back then, the original version. 
And I always said, ah, you know, is it really that scary? You know, I've played a lot of the Resident Evil games, and I've played horror games. Like, again, I don't play a ton of them, Kyle, because like you, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a bitch. So um, <laughs> I feel that. But I don't know. Like, there was part of me going into this that was like, okay, was the horror aspect of it overrated? And man, early on, I learned it was not overrated. It was a very scary game. It held up. The gameplay was so smooth and fluid. I loved the gunplay specifically. And I loved the animation of being able to shoot the limbs off of, of all the enemies that you ran into. I loved that personally. And Kyle, I have to say, of all the Platinums I've seen you go for, this might be the one that you know is second most insane behind Crash 4 that you've not finished up yet. And I salute you, sir, for being able to finish that because, uh, man, I couldn't do it. This was a rough platinum. It took a lot out of me, especially because it makes you do multiple playthroughs. Um, but one of those playthroughs has to be on the hardest difficulty. That was brutal. Like, holy shit, dude. I don't... You, you've heard me say this multiple times on this show, that if a game has difficulty trophies, I usually will not go for it. And that just says how much I loved this game, was that I was willing to put myself through hell in that hardest difficulty for the Platinum. Um, but man, I don't ever want to do that again. Like, definitely play this game, but if you're going for completion, just know you are, you're going to be in for some shit. It's going to be a long, long playthrough. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was definitely one of my hardest Platinums to date. Yeah, and again, like you, you have my full like you have my full respect, and you already did. But man, that was one that I, I watched you do part of that one, and I just I I did not. I don't have the fortitude to do that. So, moving on down to our number seven spot, and you know, there's some statements that we just made about remakes that are going to be really interesting when I reveal what seven is, because I loved the Dead Space remake and think that it is one of the gold standards for remakes moving forward. And I think that, again, if a, if a company follows the blueprint of a remake, I think Dead Space is one of the games, specifically this version, is one of the games that people should use when crafting the remake. I think another game that should be the gold standard for that, and I think was just a little bit better, and that's why it placed higher on my list, it's why it placed higher on Matt's list, I'm so excited to talk a little bit more about Resident Evil 4, our number seven game. Because, again, phenomenal remake, Matt. I think that we talk a lot, we just talked a lot about how the Dead Space remake modernized Dead Space quite a bit. And I think that that's the biggest aspect, or the biggest improvement, I think, in Dead Space remake was that modernization of an older game. I think Resident Evil 4, Matt, that's a, that's a game that people have talked about how timeless that story is, how timeless that level design is. And I think it all holds up. And I think that the number one thing they improved was how the game feels to play, how the game controls, and most importantly, adding on to different levels like the section on the lake where you can explore the entire lake instead of it just being a linear section um, with that boss fight. So, Matt, Resident Evil 4, again, it was a Game of the Year finalist at the Game Awards. Pretty damn good game. Yeah, this is absolutely Capcom's, like, one of their ultimate, like, remakes. Like, they they change the game when it comes to remakes because we've got remake of 1 and 2, 3, I believe, 
And um, now with four, this this is the one I was the most excited about because I remember this was such a generational, um, like placed itself in its current generation as one of the best games of all time when it released back during, uh, I believe it was first released on the GameCube. Um, and it has just been one of those where you just go back to it and they released it so many times to the GameCube, to the PlayStation 2, the PlayStation 3, and even the Wii. Like, th th this game is timeless. And when they remade it, and I saw the trailer for the first time. I was I was just I was just stunned because the game itself back when it first released was 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 quite the looker itself. Like it was one of those like generational defining games as far as like the graphics go, and that still holds up today with the remake and the fact that they brought in that kind of more open space to it where it doesn't feel as so like corridor like like the previous game did. Um, give you a lot more to do. The shooting gallery, that's quite fun, very irritating. I would possibly break a controller if I continued playing that. Because <laughs> that was very frustrating. Um, but yeah, uh, th this is how it's done. Th this is how remakes are done. And I can, I I'm, I'm very hopeful that Capcom keeps that same energy if they end up remaking 5 or 6. Obviously, I'm not going to say remake 7 because that's entirely different. <laughs> an entirely different generation. Um, but yeah, this one, this one will stick with me for a very long time, and I, I'm I'm so happy that we got this. Like it was such a great game. Leon's one of my favorite Resident Evil characters, and the boss fights in this game are just gorgeous. I like the fact that they just have like their own alternate ways to, to defeat them. Um, the, the music was fantastic. The 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 style, like I said, the graphics are just something that I love to go back to, and I want to replay it on the new TV that I got here recently. So if I ever do a, a new uh, game plus, a new game uh, playthrough, I am I'm definitely excited to do that again. Yeah, I said when I first got this game, and when I first started playing it, I said that I felt very gatekept on it because, again, I'd heard that Resident Evil Four was a really damn good game. But I didn't know that it was one of the greatest survival horror games of all time. And when I played it, I was like, holy shit. Again, I see the hype here. I see a game that's got a really good score, really good story. The level design is top notch, especially the opening section with in the village with all the villagers. And you're having to run around and survive after you get caught or after you get spotted. And after surviving for a bit, you know, the the bell in the church tower rings and they all run. And Leon's got his infamous line about where did everybody go? bingo like so, some of those lines that they brought back i was really really pleased to hear for the first time in this game just because again these are lines that are iconic they're lines that are they cheesy are they corny are they weird are they campy sure but honestly that's a lot of what made resident evil 4 resident evil 4 a lot of people love that game because of how campy it could be so i'm a big fan of this game and and, and i'm glad to see that it made the final list as well now Number six is an interesting one because I love this game and it made it onto my list. I believe it made it onto all of our lists. I know Kyle, it made it pretty high on your list. And it's a game that when I first finished this game, I wasn't sure if it would make it to the list and it had nothing to do with the gameplay. It had nothing to do with the story, nothing to do with the writing, nothing to do with the characters. It had everything to do with, um, well, let's just say suboptimal performance at launch. Now, supposedly it has been fixed. I have not downloaded this 120 gigabyte juggernaut back onto my PS5 
just yet to check it because, well, up until recently, I didn't really have the space for it. But it's made the list. It's coming in at number six, just outside of the top five. Kyle, I'm excited to talk about it again. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Again, a damn good follow-up to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. And, and I think that Survivor, Kyle, the best way was how you said it when we reviewed it. It's the definition of what a sequel should be. I think this definitely holds true, especially after seeing uh, Spider-Man 2, which I love that game. Um, but there is one thing that happens in every sequel that's I forgot all of my abilities and I lost all of my equipment. And they did not do this in Survivor. They said, listen, all of the abilities that you unlocked in the first game, we're giving them to you at the very beginning and we're going to create new abilities in this game to build on what we already had. Which tells me that if they make another game, it's going to be even crazier than this. Which I, it, I, I had no idea what they were going to add. I was like, man, I thought that the first game was pretty packed. And wow, did they manage to surprise me. Just, I like you said, I really wish that this game worked better at launch. That is the biggest negative and what really held it back but the story was so good it it was in my opinion i think that the story of survivor was better than spider-man 2 and it's okay if other people don't share that opinion with me because spider-man 2 was a really really damn good game but in terms of a sequel i think that this game found a way to build on everything the first game had made, and I just absolutely love that, and I have to praise it, because it's something I would like to see other games do going forward. I would like to see, you know, like, for example, if I had started up God of War Ragnarok, and I had to go back and uh, get the Blades of Chaos again, I would have been pissed, because I'd have been like, what, do you just go bury him again? I was glad that, you know, like like that game, gave them to you at the start, and you keep going to get more weapons. That needs to be the standard for sequels, for trilogies, because if you're just redoing what you did and making it a little bit bigger, scaling the map to be larger, giving me more abilities to unlock, I, I, I don't see that as unique as how, you know, this was done. Kyle still fighting the battle of game of the year last year there with the God of War Ragnarok reference. I feel you, bro. <laughs> I feel you, bro. You still fighting the you fighting the I would say fighting the good fight, but I didn't vote for it. So damn, <laughs> couldn't be me. Um, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think you're right. I, I think you're absolutely right that it, it would it would really suck if we had to re earn all these abilities like uh, another game that somehow made the top three made us do. Yeah, y'all, y'all are getting a little bit of a teaser there. If you played big games this year, you know the game I'm talking about. I don't have to even say the name, but <laughs> I'm hoeing that game for no reason. I loved that game all the same. But I think that Star Wars Jedi Survivor, what I liked was when this game wanted to go for something, it went for it. It didn't just tease something and then say, eh, okay, now forget about it. Like it, it, it teased several times that something wasn't right whenever you met up with Seer and with Eno Cordova. It, it, it made it, you feel very uneasy around around this group of people and then your friend betrays you. 
Darth Vader shows up at some point. And and I, I think that Seer's death in that fight against Darth Vader, one of the most emotional moments in a game all year. A moment that actually made me pause the game and I had to sit there and think about what had just happened. It was crazy, crazy moment in the story. And I also love this. And this is, I have to make this point because there are some people out there. I'm not going to name names, Tom. But... <laughs> I'm not gonna name now. I don't think Tom's ever actually. I don't think he's actually crapped on what I'm what I'm about to say. But I think that love stories in a game or in a movie in any form of media can be a really good storytelling tool if done properly. It can feel very unnecessary if done improperly. And the story between Cal and Marin, I loved that they teased it in the first game. They talk about it a little bit more and hint at it a little bit more early in this one, and then they actually have them get together. It's a it's a shipping that I was all in on. I've never been more in on a ship that wasn't Katara and Zuko, and I'm still fighting that fight. And it frustrates <laughs> me, but I'm glad that I'm glad that they hinted at that and they actually followed through on it though. And I, I like that a lot because I felt that they really developed that well. They're both survivors. They're both very, very similar people. And again, it felt natural. That was the big thing, is it felt natural. And I liked that. So Star Wars Jedi Survivor, a, a game, and Kyle, I gotta be honest with you, a platinum, I still want to go back and get it at some point. So in the new year, Sorry. we we might have to put that yes, one on the here. list. And Matt, Matt, I know you did too. So we might have to I'm put that too. one on the list. <laughs> So all of us can go back and do that because that, that's a platinum. I still I still absolutely want to finish that one. So, fellas, we've made it to the top five. And, boys, let me tell you all, these five games, whew, there's no surprises here. These are heavy hitters. These are heavy hitters in gaming this year. And, really, we're getting started with one at five that I really thought would be a lot higher. And I want to say that I'm shocked it's not higher, but at the same time, I'm not really shocked because the four in front of it are all great games. In fact, I believe that our next three games... Yes, okay, so I'm not going to finish that sentence because I don't want to give anything away. I'm not going to finish that sentence at all, so fuck y'all. Um, <laughs> but number five was a phenomenal game. And again, when we talk about sequels... It's a game that really helped show that when you build on to what you do, instead of tearing the player down and forcing them to relearn and redo everything, it makes your sequel better. It's an incredible story. You heard Kyle reference it earlier, coming in at number five, Spider-Man 2. And again, <laughs> it would be game of the year in another year. It could be game of the year in another year. This year just happened to be really freaking stacked. And I think that fifth, Hey, you made the top five. It could definitely be worse. You could have not made the list whatsoever. So, Matt, we all played Spider-Man 2. We all platinumed it before we recorded our review of it. We all talked about it as if it could potentially be a game of the year favorite. It obviously didn't finish there for us. But Spider-Man 2 was a damn good game, Matt. And I think that it finishing at five, that shouldn't go unmentioned that we all absolutely loved this game. I know that we all had fun platinuming this game. Oh yeah, I I it, it was a thrill honestly. Like I didn't know what I expected because uh Spider-Man 1 and Miles Morales were done so well and I just couldn't possibly imagine what they could do to up the ant here and and make this game stand out amongst such incredible uh incredible games. And just from the get-go you are thrust into one of the most like impressive sequences in a video game with the spite the, the spite the fight with um 
with with uh, Spider-Man and you know Miles Morales Spider-Man and uh, going up against the Sandman like this was just straight up out of nowhere. And honestly, the game did not slow down from there. Like each big sequence was just like more impressive than the next. And at a certain point, like when you actually get to play as Venom, was probably one of the most standout like moments in the game. Um, when you are breaking out of the um, the, the place that uh, uh, Harry yeah. and uh, Oscorp built, and the. the the, the the quests themselves they had some really good ones here like it, was, it wasn't completely repetitive like i mean fighting the crime was as always i mean it's just the same thing here there beat up some guys in a certain uh time limit it put out some fires that, that sort of thing stops beating cars but there's a like i said there's a lot of the things in this game that that stick out that you know define it like the sequence with uh with miles and and black cat was one of the most impressive things at the sanatorium I said that right. Please tell me I said that right. Doctor Strange's thing. Sanitarium. Yeah. That sequence right there. The sequence with, um, yes, yeah, there saying, we go. I don't think either one of you were right. And I was like, what are y'all? What are, what are we? I was like, you know, I'm just going to let this train wreck happen. Real quick. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Uh, I'm there glad I was muted for that so you didn't hear what I said. <laughs> there are Marvel fans that are listening right now that are cringing. Oh, yeah. man. Those face bombs can be heard all, all around the world right now. Um, but the, also the scene that has, you know, Peter Miles going against Craven on, on the ship, and then that whole sequence with the giant rotor saving the people on the dock, and, and Miles having to come to, like, terms with, like, his, his revenge story against, you know, Martin Lee. And then, you know, Peter's got his own thing going on, struggling to keep a job and keep his relationship with Mary Jane and still be Spider-Man at the same time. As well as, you know, we get some of the most impressive voice acting from, is his name Yuri Linth? How do you say it? Yuri Linthal. Yeah, yeah. Very impressive voice acting with him, like how he just changes his voice when he's starting to change and after he gets the black suit. Um, a lot of character development between Miles and his mom, you know, Peter and Mary Jane you know, dealing with the death of, of, of Aunt May from Spider-Man 1. Like, there was just so much that they crammed into this game. And it, it, it's almost so, it's almost great. I, there are, it does have its flaws. Unfortunately, the game is pretty short. Like, once you platinum the game, I mean, there's no new game plus at the moment. There's not really much to do until a DLC comes out. But, I mean, I really enjoyed my time with it. Insomniac is still showing off that they're one of the best developers at PlayStation with this Ratchet & Clank. Like, I, can, I, I can't wait to see what they do next with Wolverine. You know, I think that that is ultimately what did drop it down my list because if you go back to the review that we did, Kyle and I both said pretty definitively that this was our game of the year favorite and it was that simple. I think, Kyle, the big criticism was I didn't think that New Game Plus was really needed that much at first. Honestly, after platinuming it, New Game Plus would have been nice just because... I didn't really feel the need to play any more of it. You know, it wasn't the need. It's not that I don't feel the need to revisit it when they drop their, you know, incoming DLC. Absolutely, I'll go back and I'll play it. I think all three of us will. I think we'll probably all review it. But it just felt like content as a whole might have been lacking in terms of the quantity, maybe? I thought the quality of what we got was really high, and we could talk about some of the side missions as well. LOL, there's a plug. Um... Because, you know, I think that the biggest standout side mission was the, the the mission with Howard and his pigeons. I mean, that's a very, very simple mission. You don't fight. You don't do any combat whatsoever. And, man, that's the side mission that everybody talked about 
after the game dropped. So, Kyle, why did the game fall a little bit further onto your list? I'm curious. What was it that made the difference for you? For me, I think that, you know, when I first played it, this game was so hyped up. It was so anticipated. I was very, very excited for it. And, you know, it's not in any way that this game is bad or that they're... It's just that, you know, I really I really enjoyed this game when it came out. But when I looked at my playtime of some other games, I I don't think games need to be super long. And I'm actually kind of against games being 100 to 200 hours long. Like, that's just excessive. And especially in a year like this, you know, if you're an RPG fan, good luck finishing every single RPG, you know, big RPG that's coming out this year. Some smaller games are nice. However... Man, I'm trying. <laughs> I think... That, yeah, for real. <laughs> However... I think that, you know, as you get a little bit further away, like Rusty said, a little bit more content would have been nicer because I platinumed that game in 28 hours. That is really, really fast, considering, you know, Armored Core and Lies of P both took me 80 hours. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm not... Honestly, I, I I don't feel I would still give this game a nine to a ten. I think that this game was great. I loved it. I just I looked at all the games I played this year, and I had to make that sacrifice of putting it lower because there were just some games that I played so much more that I felt like I enjoyed more. You know. Yeah, and I think you're right about that. I think I agree with you on just about every every point you made there. I think that. Sometimes in a year that's this stacked, I think it's some game has to fall a little bit further on the list. Some it's the thing I always say when it comes to ranking these lists. Some game has to come in at tenth, and it might be a game you love. It might be a game you played very little of. It might be a game that you never even picked up. But in a top ten list, not every game can be number one. Not every game can make the top three, and not every game can make the list. Period. I mean, this year we saw several great games that didn't even make the cut on any of our lists so i think that spider-man 2 it's important to point out it's a phenomenal sequel it's a great game just because it doesn't do anything groundbreaking does not mean that it's not worth your money if you haven't played it and we didn't just spoil the shit out of the game for you which if we did i'm sorry but you should have also probably known better coming here to our game of the year episode um if you haven't played it yet, I highly recommend it because it is a very, very fun game to play. Kyle, you mentioned it is a very, very quick platinum. I think I did my platinum in 24 hours. So, yeah, like it's it's yeah, not something a, like that. It's not a it's not a it's not a lengthy platinum. It's a pretty straightforward one, but it, there's certainly tougher platinums out there. So, on to number four, a game that you can't platinum because well, Nintendo doesn't have achievements yet. And they <laughs> probably never will. A game that made it very, very high on, I believe, all three of our lists. And a game that, when we look back, I think we will look back as this is the best game in this series and this version of games for this franchise. Because I think we saw the best 2D Mario game of all time. Because at number four, we have Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Another phenomenal, yes. phenomenal uh, game that came out from Nintendo this year. Matt, 
We said it best in the episode, and I've said it so many times. It probably sounds like a broken record, but this (laughs) is what happens when Nintendo goes all in on wacky and fun. You get Super Mario Bros. Wonder. It's a phenomenal game for it. Yes, I... I was and I was so happy when they announced this game just saying it for the first time because the 2D Mario franchise has been stuck with the the new Super Mario Bros style and it, it it's gotten pretty pretty old because we had new Super Mario Bros on the DS, we had uh the one on the Wii, the one on the Wii U, we had uh we had new Super Mario Bros 2 on the on the uh, 3DS and this the art style for that was just it, it stayed the same almost throughout but then how long it has been since, not including the re-release of uh, Mario Bros. Deluxe uh, from the Wii U to the Switch, but it had been such a long time since we had seen Mario, a 2D Mario game, that took so many, you know, so 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 many like different like directions, and then all coming together through these developers. They had no crunch time. They were just let like you know do exactly what they wanted to do, use any other ideas, and they absolutely did it. Especially with the Wonder Flower, the way it changes up each level like its own way from basically hanging upside down to like these giant sheep buffalo looking things causing a stampede. It is just incredible. And the only thing that I I would say that I didn't think that this game was very strong in were the boss fights, but. Outside of that, I really have no complaints. I think the batch system was really cool, the way you could replay levels in a completely different way by just changing what badges you have. And then the multiplayer was so much fun with the online aspect where you could not necessarily like play with your friends, but you are playing with your friends. They're basically ghosts. You can help each other out. You can save each other if you end up dying and you're stuck in a little bubble and they can pop you. Uh, they can give gifts with these little like standouts. Like... The, I I was so happy. This game is just definitely one of the best Mario games since Mario Odyssey, in my opinion. Absolutely, I agree with that. Kyle, I have to ask you an honest question here, brother. I need an honest answer. Did you play this game under the influence? Absolutely. (laughs) Bro. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I had some Wonder Flower before I (laughs) hit the Wonder Flower in this game. (laughs) Let me tell you what, this game... Oh, like I said, man. I showed this game what Mushroom was. <laughs> oh, whoa, whoa, no, no, not that. This game was so creative. Ah, oh, man, I, I just, I have so many positive things to say about this game because, like Matt, I was very tired of the new Super Mario Bros. You know, style. I, I liked that double pack that they did. Um. Where they came out with what was this Mario 3D World and um, was that the one that gave us Bowser's Fury? Yeah, Super Mario 3D Worlds. Yeah. When that happened, I actually thought that they were going to be taking you know Super Mario 3D World in you know I thought that they were going to be doing something with that and they were like oh you know that gave me the idea of both you know we're getting a new Odyssey that. You know, Bowser's Fury was testing for new Odyssey stuff, and that we're going to get a new Super Mario 3D World kind of game. And when they announced Wonder a few years later, that surprised me because, man, this game really, really, really redid the 2D side scroller Mario formula in a way that I think will stick for a long time. This game was so good that we actually. 
you know, we thought that it had a chance of winning game of the year legitimately because it, that's just how damn good it was. Uh, 2D side-scroller fans yeah, are eating good right now. They were eating you know, so honest, good. To be honest, if it had won game of the year, I wouldn't have complained. Same. I, I, I wouldn't I would have been mad. This game I think that, did a lot. Yeah. I think that Nintendo has to be commended, and, you know, spoiler alert, as we get into the top three here soon, we're not done talking about Nintendo, but I think that Nintendo really does need to be commended that if this is the last full year of the Switch, because it's been widely rumored that in fall 2024 is when we're going to supposedly get their next console, if this is the last full year of the Switch being their main focus, I think they went out with a damn bang. They had oh, yeah. They had bangers and bangers, and, like, there's several games... So for for full context, everybody, like we don't we don't count remasters for game of the year. So Metroid Prime Remastered was awesome, but it wasn't eligible. Kirby Return to Dreamland Deluxe was was awesome. It yeah. wasn't eligible. Uh, we obviously talked about Bayonetta Origins earlier. I did, and you know that was a great game. We had Fire Emblem Engage. We had Pikmin Four. We had Wonder Super Mario RPG was great. There were great games upon great after great game after great game after great game this year from Nintendo. So again, if this was the last full year of the Switch, it's it was an awesome year for them. And Kyle, to your point, I hope that this same level of wackiness is used in their next 3D Mario game. Because yes. Odyssey 2, or whatever they choose to call it, I feel like that in this kind of wacky, fun style, I feel like it could be a game of the generation type game. Because Mario Odyssey is already is already a 10 out of 10 game. Imagine adding in kind of this level of uniqueness, this level of atmosphere these these effects these crazy this these crazy levels I, I would love to see them put that same kind of wackiness into odyssey 2 or again whatever their next 3d mario game is so super mario bros wonder was phenomenal let's get into the top three and you've already heard me reference it and it makes me more excited to talk about the top two because y'all are going to realize what games we have not talked about yet and the top two made me very happy when I compiled the list and it landed the way it landed. I'm very, very happy about that. But before we get there, we got to talk about number three. Number three was a game that came out a little bit earlier this year. Could have won game of the year at the Game Awards. I was hoping it would over Baldur's Gate 3 because, let's be real, I got tired of hearing about Baldur's Gate 3. I think we all did. But, phenomenal game. A game that Matt and I both loved. I think Kyle loved it a like loved it a lot as well, even though he had some critiques for it. Because spoiler alert, it is his favorite franchise of all time. So coming in at number three, our final Nintendo Switch game on the list. It is Gollum. <laughs> oh, no, it's it's Legend of Z it's the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And again, a game that could wow. have been game of the year. And again, in another in another time and another in another universe, in the vast multiverse, Tears of the Kingdom could have won Game of the Year. Um, yeah. Full disclosure, I didn't say anything about it because I didn't want to accidentally give it away. Super Mario Bros. Wonder and Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom were actually tied. And no the tie the tiebreaker that decided it was while, while they both got the same number of top three votes, Matt, you had Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom as your Game of the Year. That yes, earned the yes. tiebreaker. So I'll let you start with us because obviously this is a game we could talk about for a while. Our episode was really in depth, and these two really carried me through it because it was the first Zelda game that I finished. <laughs> I felt like I was shit on that episode, but you both have told me I wasn't, so I'll uh -huh. just believe you. But Matt, it was your game of the year. 
Uh, brag on it a little bit. Uh, what was it that made this your game of the year? So Tears of the King was my game of the year because it was the sequel to one of the best, in my opinion, Zelda games of all time with Breath of the Wild, like introducing the open world concept and Nintendo took the open world. I mean, this has been done so many, so many times, but they reinvented it to the point where other developers actually started, you know, making games with a very similar open world. Um, on top of that, I think the one thing that makes Tears of the Kingdom my game of the year and what stands out is just the creativeness that goes into it with, with the introduction of the Ultra Hand. Um, that that device is incredible. Like all the different powers that they introduce in this game, from the Ultra Hand to using Recall, and then um, the one that uh, the the Rise one. I can't remember the name of it right now. Uh, what was it? Ascend, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but just the, the combination the word for going up, going <laughs> all just all of that just just made this game. Like I, I think this is the Tears of the Kingdom is a game I put the most hours into of any game I played this year. Like well over a hundred hours into this game, and I just remember how hype going to the midnight launch for this was, and it's just something that's going to stick with me for a very long time. Um. The, also, the with using the Ultra Hand, you, you're able to cause things to stick together, make different vehicles. Like you, you can approach so like uh, each of the little like little dungeons like so differently, and they they basically did listen to fans. They did bring back a sort of introduction back to you know like dungeons. And one of my all time favorite ones that sticks out, especially I know Kyle loves this one, is because it's basically uh, an, the entire section of that game is basically an homage to the Wind Waker. Um, but the read with the Rudo and everything, uh, the boss fight there, the boss fights in general, just some things that really stick out with me as well, because no offense to Spider-Man two, it's not just really pretty cutscene leading off to some things like we have to another cutscene. Everything is playable. Like there's not a single cutscene that you have to sit through the fight with Kogera, er everything you, you control it, like going up in the air and attacking him, and then they break out the music. They bring out break out Dragon Roost Island music during that fight. And I know Kyle, you love that, didn't you? <laughs> Wait a minute, there was a cutscene. That though. for the that first time. Like, that feels like an unnecessary hoeing of Spider-Man Two. No, there, wasn't, there no. was a cutscene. What are we talking there's about? There's a cutscene. There's a cutscene before the fight. Yes, but then everything right there is just pure gameplay from the moment that you start fighting him to beating him. That's what I was referring to. There was no in between cuts that led to like one it's like section. And then fight, and then uh, cutscene, and then back to fighting. That feels, that feels like unnecessary. I can't wait to hose Zelda. I can't wait to hose <laughs> this game when we get to the top two. I can't wait. Kyle, I, 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 go ahead, Kyle. All you. Man, Tears of the Kingdom. What a mid game. How fucking, what a piece of shit. Like, I mean, Nintendo could not have put out something more awful. Holy God, I just played. I just, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. This game, you know, Breath of the Wild might not be my favorite style of Zelda games. However, for all the shit that I give that game, it's one of my most played, if not my most played Switch game. I was secretly hyped for Tears of the Kingdom because... It's a Zelda game, and I'm always going to love Zelda games, even the bad ones. And this game did not disappoint. I think that I have some critiques personally um, that are just referenced to other Zelda games. 
and why I like them better. But if I were to critique this game against other games that came out this year, I think it stands pretty high up. Because while Mario Wonder and, you know, Sonic Superstars as well, a game that, you know, we didn't talk about, but it also, you know, came out, reinvented the 2D Sonic creativity. It was, you know, I think that Tears of the Kingdom, it did things that, like Matt said, will keep developers pushing for those mechanics in their games for years to come. The Ultra Hand was insane. The, you know, in the first game, what made it so popular was how much freedom they gave you. And in this game, it seems like they somehow gave you even more. You know, the ability to craft vehicles of whatever you want. I mean, you could make just insane creations. There are endless videos of them online, and that's another thing that, you know, I, I think I really love seeing is everybody's funny videos of the wacky vehicles they created and them driving them around Hyrule. Oh, man, I gotta Ooh. say, you know, Tears of the Kingdom had a real shot at winning Game of the Year, and I low-key did want it to win Game of the Year. Because my game of the year was not in the running, that was my official like, Game Awards, you know, Game of the Year vote. I am glad that we will not be returning to the Breath of the Wild formula in the next game. However, if you have not yet played Breath of the Wild in Tears of the Kingdom, as a Zelda fan, these are experiences that definitely need to be had. One of a lifetime kind of games. I I loved Tears of the Kingdom, even though I do have, you know, some some very mild critiques about it. Mild, you say? That's not what uh, <laughs> went at me aggressively for when I said I like this game. Like, yeah, it's the first Zelda game. You Wait, no, no, no. <laughs> man came at me hard. Listen, I just spent 15 hours fighting other Zelda fans about why this game is not better than Wind Waker. Man was going, man, Kyle was in the trenches with this game. I was, man. (laughs) I thought thought that Tears was was a phenomenal game as well. Um, You know, there was so much talk about it being $70, but to be honest with you, for how much content there is in the game, I've played about 50 hours of it. I finished the story. And there's still probably a couple, another hundred hours of stuff I can go back and do. Absolutely worth the price. And I think that of all the games you could talk about not being worth $70, Tears of the Kingdom is not not one of them. It, it's, it's a phenomenal game. Could have won Game of the Year. And again, I think back in May when we reviewed it, we all said, man, if this year holds up, Tears of the Kingdom could win Game of the Year. And it, it came damn close. I will, I will go to the points real quick to give y'all give y'all an idea of just how close it was because I haven't referenced any of the point totals. Our second place game finished with 25 points. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom and Mario Wonder finished with 22 apiece. So it, it was relatively close. Uh, it, it was a relatively close a re- re- relatively close finish. Um, uh, there was a big drop off, I believe, from there. Yeah, Spider Man finished with 18. So you know. It went 25, 22, 22, and then down to 18, and then from the top five on, it dropped big time from there. Uh, but, again, Tears of the Kingdom, phenomenal game. We loved it, and it comes in at number three. So, 
We've come to the moment, fellas. And I have to say, before we get into this top two, I almost feel like I need to make a speech. Because oh. as the local, as the local souls like and from soft shill, I love that I've rubbed off on the two of you like I have. I love that I have, and that sounds that sounds sus, pause on that phrase. Pause? But rubbed off on y'all, pause. Um <laughs> but I love that I have influenced the games that you guys now now play because this this top two does my heart a lot of good. This top two makes me feel really really good about the influence I have had on y'all. So number two, it was a game that I think all of us were looking forward to. A game with really awesome atmosphere, with excellent minute to minute gameplay. And I think a story that we were all relatively surprised by the depths of it. I think that we all got to the end of this game and we all said, man, there's a lot There's a lot to unpack here, but man, they managed to tell a really damn good story in an environment that I never imagined we would see a good story in. That is why our number two game and our runner-up for the side mission game of the year in 2023 is... Starfield. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm blocking you for that. <laughs> Stack of shit. No, it's not fucking Starfield. <laughs> fucking mid-ass game. You've ruined, you've ruined, you've ruined the moment entirely. Man, fuck it. It's Armored Core 6. <laughs> you've ruined the moment. It was it's Armored Core 6. <laughs> Armored Core 6? <laughs> yep. Armored Whoa, Core 6 finished at awesome. number 2 overall. With 25 points, go ahead and give you a little spoiler alert. Number one, and I think we all know what that is at this point. Number one finished with <laughs> 28 points. So it was pretty close. It was, it was pretty close. Um, the only difference was just Matt deciding to uh, shit on this game and put oh, it down at number what five. Damn. So that, what? No, that's the, uh, Matt, I have the list pulled up. I did. I did. <laughs> I did. You over here trying to lie. I have the list pulled up. Yes, like, yes, like, yes, like. You made it up. <laughs> but on the real, honestly, with when a game like Armored Core 6, I'm glad that it did finish in the top two and was in the running for game of the year for us because it should have been at the Game Awards. It absolutely, and spoiler yeah. alert, our number one absolutely should have as well. There's no excuse for either of these two games to not be finalists for Game of the Year. Jeff Keighley, you botched that one much like you botched the entirety of the show, but we won't <laughs> get into that. We could do a whole fucking episode, and maybe, who knows, maybe later this week, maybe we should do an episode on the Game Awards and just how poorly ran they were. It might not be bad content, but... As soon as you start talking, just say wrap it up, please. <laughs> I, I just, I just see the please wrap it up. I just, I'm looking at the chat and Discord, and I see Kyle and the please wrap it up. <laughs> but uh, back on Armored Core Six, I, I, I mean everything I said. I, I was obviously trying to, trying to fool y'all a little bit when I said some of the things I said about it. But I think that everything I said about Armored Core Six leading up to that reveal was very, very true. I think that the minute-to-minute gameplay was top-notch. It won Best Action Game for a reason. When you talk about just pure action gameplay, is. pure adrenaline, I don't know that there's a game that did it better than Armored Core this year in terms of just great action gameplay. I think that, especially with the customizability of your mech, being able to change up on the fly in between deaths, I think that just the different play styles you could run, there was so much, Kyle, to love 
about this game. The gameplay was by far at the top of the list for me, but it also managed to tell a really good story as well. Yes, dude. In terms of Platinums this year, this game is one that pushed me. But I love a challenge. I really enjoy hard Platinums, and this is one that I'm absolutely going to treasure. Because these S-Ranks were no joke. But the the main thing that I think really, really stuck with me, that really made me want to, you know, put this game so high up on my list, was just how much damn fun you have with this. Like, everything aside, you cannot go into this game and just not have fun. It's just pure joy. It's it's chaos. It's so good. And, like, FromSoft is known for making hard games. And I would say that the Balteus fight, the first time, that's hard, yes. Everything after that is not. Because your options are expanded so wide after you beat Balteus. And then every mission after that. I, I did a, an entire playthrough where I I beat every single mission with the tank body and the Gatlin guns with the songbirds on my shoulders just to show that you can literally use one build to beat every level. Like this game is so versatile. It's you know, it, it is niche, but I would say that out of all the games that people like to say it's not for everyone, Armored Core is I would argue for every it's it's for a lot a lot more people than I think it gets credit for. I've never played an armored core game. I'm not an armored core veteran. I don't even think I can name another mech game I've played. You know, they're just they're not that, you know, popular, but this game was just so much fun from the very beginning and I, I didn't go into this thinking I was gonna get the platinum. I thought that oh there's no way and when I beat it, I was so determined. I said, I, I love this game so much, I don't care how hard it is. I want this Platinum. And, you know, I'm not saying that if you play this game, you gotta go for the Platinum. But I think that if you have, if you are on the fence or if you have not tried this game, absolutely pick it up. Because it's probably on sale now. It's been out for a few months. It it's is. just... It actually is on sale. It's, yeah, dude, there you go. go. Go pick it up on sale. Because it's just... It's such a fun game. It is pure joy, you know, from beginning to end. I could not have loved it more. I will say, despite saying that it was on sale and go pick it up on sale, and I agree with you, Kyle, take advantage of that 100%. I will say that at full price, the game is also absolutely worth it. it there is, There's so much replayability in this game. The missions are so much fun to go back and play through, especially if you're going for the S-Ranks. And I think, Kyle, when we talk about the S-Ranks and how difficult they were, and they were they were difficult, I feel like of the 60 missions in this game, I think that about 52 to 53, 54 of them were pretty straightforward S-Ranks. The remaining 6 to 8 S-Ranks, whoo, those put me to the test. Yes. Those, those challenged us. Those pushed us to places that very few games have pushed. I think that... Outside of Armored Core 6, the only Platinum that has pushed me harder was Deathloop. Even our number one spot when I, we Platinum did. Yeah. I don't think it pushed me as much as Deathloop did. Deathloop was a was a holy shit. I, 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 I earned my gaming stripes. We earned our gaming stripes, Kyle, with that Platinum. We absolutely Absolutely. Did. 
But Armored Core 6, and, and Matt, I kind of alluded to this, and I have a grander point that I want to make that I'm going to end on with a rant when we get done talking about this game. Because I have words to say about opinions that have gone around about this game and about a certain other niche game that uh, Ho-Hum just won Game of the Year. Um, but I'm going to save those words until I get through this point with you. Matt told a really, really good story. And it's a very, very simple story. It's an easy to understand story, but it's also got a lot of depth to it. Ultimately, you are a mercenary for hire that is trying to help these companies that whether it's Balaam, Archibus, the planetary, uh, the planetary force that's that's on Rubicon, you're trying to help them attain this this mineral called coral. And it's basically a story of betrayal and backstabbing and working with one side to screw over the other, and then a few missions later, you might be in the reverse position. It's such a really interesting story, Matt, and the biggest thing is it's it's complex, but it's not hard to understand, and I love that. And I think that's exactly why I was drawn to it as well, and why I just wanted to keep playing it was because the story was, it was it caught my attention. Like with how you said, it's not that complex, but really it, it does have a lot uh, of a deeper core to it, Especially if you're really paying attention to like the audio logs, which you definitely should be paying attention to those. And I love the fact that, you know, just which way you go with it, like certain things change in the game itself, like who you're going up against, who you're fighting, and uh, even the as going as far as to the final uh, boss fight you're going to have is like, I think that that is such an excellent way to weave through um when you're making your story you're you know you're keeping it interesting it, it's not it's not boring it's not average it's 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 really good um and on top of that great story great gameplay i'm i'm absolutely happy that this game made it so high up on our, uh on this list so uh excellent game i can, I, I would love some dlc honestly would love some dlc and maybe one of these days i do plan on going back to platinum it which is going to be one hell of a ride but it's it's one that i'm really looking forward to yeah, you might have missed the boat on it being a little bit easier because they've absolutely uh, they've patched some weapons relatively recently <laughs> and, and made some of these S ranks a little bit more difficult. But I want to say the the, the 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 stuff that really stuck out to me was the spectacle of some of the boss fights, especially at the very end of the game. I think that the first ending I got was where you had to fight. I've realized, guys, we've been mispronouncing her name the entire the entire time we've been mispronouncing her name. It's not air. Apparently, it's ire. So uh, the first fight, when you fight her at the very end of one of the endings, that fight is just bananas. That fight is nuts. And you're, it's in space, and it's at the satellite station, and it's just such a great spectacle. It's so great. It's actually part of the background of, uh, of my, on my laptop's home screen now. So and there's just the, the boss fights. The Cell 240 boss fight is great. Uh, the Ice Worm, another great spectacle fight. Balteus is a great opening fight and is a great skill checkpoint. There's so much to love about this game that if I'm being honest, fellas, it bugs the shit out of me that people are still using the fact that it's a niche game against it. And that leads into my little rant that it has nothing to do with our number one game. I loved our number one game to death, and you're going to hear me sing its praises when we get there. But what I don't like... And what I can't fucking stand is how Baldur's Gate has been praised because it's a niche game that stayed true to its roots while that was the biggest negative against Armored Core. I'm not a fan of that personally. 
I'm not a fan that one game was praised for in 2023, staying true to its roots, not adapting to modern gaming, not changing itself to suit modern gaming's needs or to suit the casual gamer. It pisses me off that we are we have had this conversation about FromSoft for so many years about how their games are unforgiving, the games are punishing, they have their formula, it works, they've yet to release an objectively bad game, specifically in the modern era. And yet, with Armored Core 6, that was the main thing that held it back when it came to reviews, when it came to people talking about it. And yes, Tom is going to hear this later. He was one of them. It's a point that I've heard him make, and it irritates me. He's not the only one. So, Tom, I'm not just hoeing you. I'm hoeing hundreds of people. But it it bugs the shit out of me that Baldur's Gate was praised for something that Armored Core 6 was criticized for. And maybe, fellas, maybe I'm off base there. Maybe you both disagree with me. If you both disagree with me, that's perfectly fine. We don't always have to agree. I'm not going to be mad at y'all one way or the other. But I just don't, I don't like that. It feels very selective. It feels very unfair to Armored Core. Either criticize both games for the fact that they stayed true to their roots or praise them both. I see no reason why one got praised while the other got criticized for it. So that's the end of my rant. I will get off my soapbox. Because, fellas, it's time to crown our fourth annual Game of the Year. And you've probably figured it out by now. There's been one sleeping elephant, one sleeping giant this whole time that we've not mentioned <laughs> a single time. Matt made the joke a couple years ago with Rift Apart. Oh, my God, what could it be? There's no secret. When Matt sent me his list and I had all three lists, I knew what our Game of the Year was going to be. Our Game of the Year for 2023 is Lies of P. Let's go. I'm so happy to hear that. Dude. And another, again, I, I'm the reason why I'm very happy with that is, again, I love that I've had this influence on y'all that all of a sudden we all have a, a good love and appreciation for a really good Souls-like. We took our victory lap when it first came out, Kyle. We're going to take another victory lap again, goddammit, because, and I don't know if I should say that word or cuss like that necessarily, but it came out. But uh, we're going to take another victory lap by God, Kyle. It's the best Souls-like that's ever been created. Lords of the Fallen never matched up with it, never was going to match up with it. Kyle, this game was incredible. Man, Lies of P was my game of the year because I fell in love when the when the demo came out. I... Man, I was like, this game's going to be hard, but I, I, was, I was all about it. The art style best of the the whole year it got compared to bloodborne a lot but i mean honestly i don't think that using a game as your inspiration is bad as long as you you know make your game unique enough so you're not just cloning it and i don't feel like this is a bloodborne clone in any way bloodborne was absolutely an inspiration and i think that makes this game better because it's it's so good. It's, man, my first Souls like that I beat by myself. I suck at these games. You know, I I still play them. I play all of them. Um, but I suck at them. And I not only played this and beat this by myself. I platinum to this by myself. This was probably my hardest platinum to date because. While I was able to cheese a lot of the hard enemies and a lot of the boss fights with throwables, there was one thing that the game saved for me, and I goofed and should have used a guide on my first two playthroughs 
because I ended up having to do two more playthroughs without using a guide and goofed again. Five playthroughs in, I have to fight the final, final boss, the Nameless Puppet. New Game Plus 5 is insanely hard because you can't use throwables hardly at all in the Nameless Puppet fight outside of the beginning of the second phase. I really had to just bite the bullet and get good. And by God, I did it. I got good, and I beat him. And that was, dude, that was my favorite Platinum of this year. I It's my favorite game of this year. I mean, I'm just so proud that I did that by myself. You know, I've gotten carried through quite a few Souls games, and I love them to death, but there's just something about this game that I think it being single player absolutely worked because I don't think you could have got the same experience had you been playing, especially with the way that the story was set up. I think this being a single player experience, you know, it bummed us out at first, but by, by the time we beat this game, we appreciated it more for being that. And I still hold to that. I don't think this game ever needed multiplayer and i think that the sequel should i i just i'm sorry i i cannot get over how great this game was and i'm just so proud of myself for actually playing it beating it and platinuming it all you know on my own that was the cringiest shit you've ever Boy! i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> i'm kidding no i agree on all fronts i think that this this game's story is really what sets it apart from other souls likes. I think that it being this gothic reimagining, retelling, uh, whatever whatever re words you want to use there, that sets up for a horrible joke that somebody's going to listen to later. But it, this 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 crazy dark reimagining of the story of Pinocchio is just such a crazy. It's crazy how much it worked. And it's crazy how they were able to change certain characters around, obviously, all of the animals from the story being just stalkers in the game that wear these animal masks, like the red fox, like, you know, the black cat, like Alidoro the hound. It's crazy how they were able to create all or, or reimagine all these characters as human beings, but they just happen to wear masks that are, that are you know, those animals they represent, so... I loved that. I loved a lot. I loved almost all of the performances in this game from a voice acting standpoint, especially Geppetto. Geppetto was so expertly voice acted, and I thought that in terms of more heinous characters, spoiler alert, if you didn't, if you couldn't tell that he was going to become evil at some point, that really is kind of on you. But in terms of villain characters, I thought that he was excellent. His his heel turn was pretty obvious, but. I thought he was one of the most evil villains that we went up against all year, and especially the evil ending. It's just so dark and depressing. I loved so much about this game, Kyle. You said it really, really well. Bloodborne was very clearly an inspiration to this game, but it does so much of its own on its own merit to stand out that I can't really be mad that it was inspired by Bloodborne. And in fact, Bloodborne's a, a great game to be inspired by. It's one of my favorite games of all time. It's It's got great atmosphere great level design realistically the the only real critique that i can have for this game is that at launch it was very un, very unbalanced but they fixed it neo Wiz and you know round eight fixed it pretty quickly within the first couple of weeks of it being out so 
Outside of that, the levels were maybe a little bit too linear, but that's not necessarily a huge negative. I thought the level design was really good still. So, Matt, just you had this game at number two on your list. It was number two on my list. Why did you rank it so high, and and what was it for you that you loved about this game? I want to say yes. Uh, Tears of the Kingdom was my game of the year, but uh, Liza P is more than deserving of the title as well, and that's why I put it second. It is a memorable game. I was so happy that you know we we've been wanting a sequel to Bloodborne for so long, and you know Liza P is kind of like that. It's not the sequel, but it is in a way, in my opinion, a spiritual successor. Plus, I think it's very impressive that this developer that I've never heard of just came out here and knocked it out of the park and made a Souls-like game that is up there with some of the best of, from from software, you know, library of games. And I just, I have such a fascination with this, you know, gothic horror art, like, take on Pinocchio and all these characters. And just, like, some of these boss fights were absolutely incredible. They are, like I said before, they are up there with some of the, the best from FromSoft. Um, especially what was it? The, uh, the King of the Puppets and then, um, Romeo. Am I saying, yeah. is that all right? Rom Romeo, the King of the that, Puppets. Yeah. Uh, that right there was one of those fights that to this day, I still think about because I loved how, you know, challenging it was, especially once you beat the King of the Puppets and you think it's over, but then Romeo pops out. And I think one of my only complaints about this game, and we talked about this on the episode is just the phases of boss fights. Um, I, I do hope that they tone down on that in any future sequels. But yes, this this game is going to definitely stand the test of time. I will probably replay it years from now, just like I have done Bloodborne in the past. And um, the, we haven't even gotten to the music, which I don't know who composed this game, but it's such an incredible job. I listen to the music like in the car. like it is, it is so good. The voice acting is so good. I, I love... Um, the, I love the Legion arms. I I think like it was so it was so crazy how you could just mix up so much the weapons and this game are so were, were great as well. Yeah, like especially the and the thing that's gonna stick with me for a very long time is the, the like the artistic like side of everything. Like it is gorgeous. It is the the um the atmosphere is just bar none one of the most memorable in a video game I've ever played, and that's absolutely why I rank this game so high. You know, I was trying to find Matt while you were talking. I was trying to find who the, who the composer was for the score. To believe, believe it or not, on Spotify, it doesn't have the composer listed. So I'm not oh. sure if maybe Jiwon <clears throat> Choi, who is the game director, maybe he had something, maybe he worked with it. I'm not really sure. But uh, to close out our, us talking about Lies of P, because, again, I, I think that in a year where several games stood out, I'm not surprised whatsoever that this is the game that ended up at the top of our list because I remember saying months ago that I believed this game was going to surprise a lot of people. And while, yes, it was very annoying how hard it was at first, Kyle, I remember this, the tweet that you sent me of uh, before the patch when it was that guy that had a screenshot of all the uh, the ending trophies and just how low their percentages were. Oh, I believe yeah. they were all under 1%. There was a time when it looked like we would never be able to beat this game. Loxasia the Complete, I'm looking at you. <laughs> you were the you were the big roadblock for me, but I can now say, fellas, and I think all three of us can feel this in some some way, shape, or form, I can look at the physical deluxe edition I have on my shelf now and be proud because I have that platinum. We overcame those obstacles together. Liza P was a phenomenal game, and in a year where there were a ton of phenomenal games that stood out, for us, it stood a little bit higher than all the rest. 
even if Armored Core 6 might have been my own game of the year. But that's irrelevant. So, fellas, it's been another great year. Before we go, yes, because we didn't we didn't do an episode for this, and I just want to ask, of all the games that you've actually played, because it would be easy for all of us to say the day before because it's trash and it's awful, what was your <laughs> least favorite game that you played that came out this year? What game did you play? Matt, I'll start with you, then Kyle, and then I'll give mine. What game did you play where you were like, God, I'm glad I never have to play that again after we do the episode? <laughs> okay, let me think long and hard on this one. Um, <laughs> I guess the most recently released Avatar, like, it's like it's okay. Um, I mean, it's, really? it's Far Cry with an Avatar skin. Yeah, I'm sorry. Like, I, a lot of the games that I played this year, I've really, really enjoyed, and they've all, like, had this, like, stuck with me. And as far as, like, Avatar is it's it's pretty to look at, but it's like this is Far Cry with Avatar. Like I I I've I played so many Far Cry games. Like it is literally Far Cry. Um, yeah, that that's one of the games that I'm I'm really thinking about the moment. Like I, there might be another one. It's just like I said, it's been such a stacked year. I've played so many games, so it's not like really one that I'm really able to like exactly say which one. But Avatar is the one that's the most recent to me. Uh, for me. It's probably gonna be Starfield, <laughs> cause I just was not <laughs> into that game. I I love Bethesda, and I'm a big fan of their games. I think that they've done incredible work on the Fallout series. I do like the Elder Scrolls, even though I, I hate Skyrim. I love Oblivion, and you know I am excited for the next one. I just Starfield just didn't do it for me. It just was very very boring in my opinion and that's that's what i hate because i wanted to like that game uh just unfortunately wasn't for me yeah i i will say as somebody who i tried to see the charm in starfield i tried to see the good parts of it i think the problem is that it was just really really slow and i can deal with games that start slow but if i have to get 15 hours in before it gets good that's not good enough for me. Sorry. So Starfield, Starfield isn't my pick necessarily because um, we're all lucky for you, Microsoft. A game called Lords of the Fallen came out this year, uh, and I Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to say Assassin's Creed Mirage. I wanted to maybe say Final Fantasy 16 because unpopular opinion. I didn't think Final Fantasy 16 was that great. I thought it was good, but not great. I, I don't want to say Avatar because I think Avatar is a good game, but it's just not special. It's very, very bland. It's Far Cry, but Avatar, like Matt said. But Lord of the Fallen, I had really high hopes for. The trailers all look good. The concept of of Axel and, uh, Axum and Umbral, the, the different realms that you could play in were really, really cool. But God, Kyle, that game came out and just the performance wasn't good. The combat wasn't great. It was really slow and weighty and it didn't just it just didn't feel good like all the trailers had shown. And I think yeah. the biggest thing is that in, in, a, in a genre that is known for being cryptic, the story was so cryptic that at a certain point, I just didn't give a shit what was happening. Like at least in every other Souls game that I played and every other Souls like I kind of knew what the story was. This one, right. I didn't know and I didn't care to know. So... All the hype that it built up, it built up. I have to just say this to anyone out there that sees the Lords of the Fallen name and thinks, "Huh, I can fix her." No, you can't. No, you cannot. Lords of the Fallen has had two chances, and neither one of them worked. 
put that franchise to rest. So, fellas, that is going to wrap up this episode, I think. So, we're going to go ahead and call it there. That'll do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to check us out on Twitter, at Side Mission Pod. You can follow us on basically as well at Side Mission Podcast. And don't worry, this isn't our last episode for the year 2023. We do have some episodes coming as far as the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet DLC, the God of the God of Ragnarok Valhalla DLC. Who knows? We might actually follow through and do one on the Video Game Awards because I think that would be an interesting episode. But we'll see on that one. But that's going to do it for us. For the boys, for Kyle Lynch, for Matt Beck, I'm Rusty Ellis. Thanks for listening. And as always on this episode, Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs>